I'd like to take a moment and have a real heart-to-heart with you. If you're able right now, place your hand over your heart. Can you feel it? That's your heartbeat telling you that you're alive. It's the same for a preborn baby. Their heart begins to form at conception, and at just three weeks, it's already beating. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound. And that's why we've partnered with Preborn, because we need to help these precious babies. Every day, Preborn's networks of clinics rescue 200 babies from abortion. When a mother with an unplanned pregnancy meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine encounter. That doubles a baby's chances at life. And by six weeks, the eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her own thumb. And for just $28, you could be the difference between life or death of a child. All gifts are tax deductible, and I want you to donate. All you have to do is just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, keyword baby. You can also donate securely at preborn.com slash verdict. That's preborn.com slash verdict or pound 250 and say the keyword baby. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million dollars. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Are you being influenced? If you've watched a blockbuster film in the last decade, there's a chance it's been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. In Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. Go right now to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict. House Democrats wrap up their case against the president. The president's arguments will begin tomorrow, and we all march for life on the 47th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. And that sounds like it's two very different stories. Actually, there's a, a key connection between the two. We will get into all of that. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. Welcome back. I'm Michael Knowles. And 
I actually should have been more specific. What I meant to say was, this is Verdict with Ted Cruz, the third biggest podcast on the charts right now. Congratulations, <laughs> Senator. Well, back at you. <laughs> we, are, we are number three on the charts of all podcasts and number one in news. We are uh, beating the New York Times. I'm sorry. Could you say that again? Oh, did you? I, maybe <laughs> perhaps you couldn't couldn't hear me. I just wanted to say we're beating the New York Times. Uh, well, that, that that is a wonderful thing and a testament to all the good, good, good people who are listening. And it sounds like birds chirping sort of in the studio. <laughs> but we, we have a lot to get to today. Indeed. We, we have the Democrats wrapping up their arguments. We've got the Trump team is going to begin tomorrow. And in the 15 minutes that you got free today, you ended up marching for life out on the National Mall. All true. And uh, it's 1045. So we're getting started tonight earlier than we have any day this week. This is a very early night. So let's not squander the time. How do you think the Democrats did in their closing arguments? Well, I think all 100 senators are grateful that, that, that the 24-hour marathon is, is over. Right. I, I think uh, it was an interesting decision of, of, of the House managers to, to consume practically every minute of those 24 hours. Um, listen, Adam Schiff gave the close, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there were moments of it that were powerful. I mean, he is an effective trial lawyer. He's a talented trial lawyer. Uh, he can be an effective orator. I think we saw throughout the opening arguments uh, the House managers used multimedia quite effectively. Mm-hmm. And so there were moments that they drove in with different video clips that that that, that worked. And it, it uh, broke up the kind of long arguments and it did it did manage to pull people's attention. Well, and that's something you're seeing, by the way, in trial courts much more often now videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 uh, effective trial lawyers know how to do that. And we saw that on display. Um, I also think Schiff did a good job. He had a big chunk of his his closing that was trying to preempt. Uh, the president's arguments. Hmm. And, and it's because of the structure of it. House managers have 24 hours and the president has 24 hours and there's not a rebuttal. Right. So he knew they're getting ready to start. And so he went through uh, dozens of potential arguments that mm-hmm. they will almost surely make. And what, he tried to give responses to it. What was he preempting? I mean, what were the big arguments I, that he expects I, from I Trump? I mean, he went through whether they're process arguments, whether they're, I mean, he went through a whole host, but you actually put your finger on a major failing I think he had. Hmm which is he didn't shine a lantern on his biggest problem. So, so he, he briefly noted, well, the House managers might, might suggest Joe Biden's corrupt, but there's no evidence of that. <laughs> and that's all he said. He's setting himself up. It's, it's the biggest weakness hmm. of their entire case is, is, is that they have built their case on the proposition. There is zero evidence, none whatsoever right. uh, of any corruption, Concerning Joe Biden, concerning his son, Hunter Biden, concerning Burisma, the Ukrainian natural gas company that was paying Hunter Biden a million bucks a year. That's a straw man. Because yesterday, the the House Democrats in making their case, they kept saying there's nothing wrong with Burisma. There's nothing wrong with the Bidens. There's nothing, nothing to see here, folks. And because they kept talking about it. it, it actually brings that to the forefront. Right. And then today in their closing arguments, they failed to address it. They just dismissed it. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's like leading with your jaw. Hmm. Um, they're hmm. setting up to just get, get, get it knocked, right. knocked crazy. Look, I'll say, Schiff had some very good moments, but he also tends to get self-righteous. <laughs> and <laughs> the pontificate. understatement of the year. And, and so he'll be, he'll be making an argument that's effective, that's real, 
And then he suddenly starts lecturing you. And I think the moment where that was most acute is when he cited this CBS story and said Trump was threatening if any Republican voted against him to have their head on a pike. (laughs) And I got to tell you, that pissed Republican senators off. Hmm. I heard probably a half dozen senators surround me, like openly like gasp and, and, and like express anger. And. That's a great argument if you're talking to a, you know, a bunch of you know, left-wing activists at a California rally in Schiff's base. Mm-hmm. But it ain't a good argument if right. you're trying to get some Republican votes. Right. If you're actually trying to persuade the few Republicans who maybe you could persuade, not a good way to do it. You bring up the reaction among the Republican senators today. Have you, you know, wandering around the halls of the Senate, heard any gossip from the Democratic side? I mean, is, is what is the the reaction, if anything at all, to how they're doing? Well, it was interesting. One of the Democratic senators was talking to a reporter walking out, and, and the reporter asked, what do you think of the closing? And, and the head on the pike line. And, right. and the, the comment from the Democratic senator is, look, every argument has a discordant note or two. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it it may not have come across on TV, but he was almost booed for saying that. Right. I, mean, I mean, Republican senators were offended by it. But in many ways, his audience for that was not the hundred people in the room. It was TV that have to render a verdict. It was TV. And I'll tell you a very interesting mm-hmm. observation. So why did they fill 24 hours? Why did they repeat the same arguments over and over and over again? Because for most of the argument, they weren't talking to the 100 senators that will vote on impeachment. They were talking to 330 million Americans. And you know one of the fascinating things that several senators noticed? If you look at their order of speaking, it followed prime time depending on where the House manager was from. In other words, Mm. they started off with the East Coast House managers. (laughs) They then moved to the Central. So you looked at, you know, the congressman from Colorado. They'd put him on in prime time in Colorado, and it would always close with, with, with the West Coast. And they were they were very deliberately so, more than a couple of people observed that this this was at least more than a little bit about about Adam Schiff launching either his governor candidacy or his Senate candidacy. And look, this stuff, I'm sure, plays very well in a California Democratic primary. So that to me raises the question. Have the House Democrats given up on actually persuading the senators? I mean, are they are they now tuning out the senators and just playing this to TV to launch their own political careers? So, yes and no. Ninety percent plus was launching their political careers, was energizing their base, was speaking to the angry mob. There was a 10 percent in the closing where Schiff was trying to throw a a Hail Mary. Look, he he knows that that they don't have the votes. He Mm -hmm. knows that they haven't proven their case. But their hope now is they want more witnesses because they want to go on a fishing expedition. Right. And, and so, you know, for example, he had some, uh, some actually pretty moving oratory about moral courage and standing up and how it's harder to stand against your party. And he said, you risk being called, you, you, you risk people saying he's a Democrat in name only. Mm-hmm. Or she's a Republican in name only. I don't think the choice of pronoun was accidental. No, uh, he might be referring specifically to some senators. It, well, and, and it was now I, I, I will confess as I was walking out, there was a group of reporters and I, and I said to him, I said, wow, Schiff's call to, 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 to for moral courage to stand up against your party was powerful. And I really wonder how many Democrats are going to do that and vote to acquit the president. <laughs> 
And, and of course, the reporters look at you like, no, 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 no. Moral courage is always Republicans abandoning of course. their party. Of it's course. Never Democrats doing that. Now, before we, we move on from their arguments, I, I do want to be clear. They spent most of the time talking about the first article of impeachment, yep. which was abuse of power. Yep. And, and we've talked about that now in the last couple of episodes. The argument that Trump engaged in a quid pro quo and he, th- he withheld the military aid from Ukraine in exchange for Ukraine investigating his political rival, Joe Biden, even though he didn't end up withholding the aid and they didn't end up investigating Joe Biden. We talked about that on previous episodes. The second article of impeachment is called obstruction of Congress. Half the reason I voted for the president is so that he would obstruct Congress. What (laughs) what does that even mean? How do you obstruct Congress? Uh, Look, they're basing it on a refusal to to allow witnesses to testify defying subpoenas and refusing to produce documents. And, uh, you know, look, I I will say where the Democrats were effective in making this case is is the Trump administration didn't hand over documents from any of the cabinet agencies in response to subpoenas. I got to say, most of the Republican senators think that was pretty dumb, Hmm. that, that, that the administration would have been better off complying producing some documents in response and and preserving the fights for for the things that really matter. And and part of the obstruction charge that the Democrats wage against the president is that he wouldn't allow certain people who worked for him, such as John Bolton, the national security advisor, to testify. Are you saying should should they have testified? Well, and that's where this argument collapses, and it's why the Democrats are not going to prevail on it. Because, look, front and center, John Bolton is is the most notable example. They're like, we need John Bolton's testimony. Well, we talked about earlier this week in, in one of these podcasts how, how John Bolton did something something very clever. He went to a federal district court in, in D.C. and he, filed, fi- he went before the court and he said, look, I've got two conflicting demands on me. The House is asking me to testify. Mm-hmm. And the president is instructing me not to, citing executive privilege. And he said, which one do I comply with? And John Bolton said, Judge, I'll do whatever you tell me. Right. The House Democrats' response was fascinating. They just said, never mind. They actually informed the court, we're not going to subpoena John Bolton, and and we don't need his testimony. So the fact that John Bolton does not end up testifying during the House impeachment investigation— is on the House Democrats. And in fact, Bolton's lawyer said, if they withdraw the subpoena, the choice for John Bolton not to testify is not John Bolton's, it's the House Democrats. Why, why is that? I mean, why would the House uh, withdraw their, their pull to get him to testify? Because I think they were in a hurry. They, they did this whole thing in, they just in, wanted in the vote. 40-some-odd right. days. They were moving rocket-fast. You know, part of it, I, I think there are a number of us. I mean, we, we were speculating the, the other night, why did they not drag this out and delay it more? I, I, I think part of it is that Nancy Pelosi, at least, thinks this is a political loser. She, she that knows impeachment that it's not going to work. Is, is hurting the Democrats' chances in 2020. So, right. I, so I think she wanted to get this over with. Now, House managers have different interests. I, I think they... Uh, they're enjoying the national uh, TV Adam, attention. Adam Schiff has his eyes on other offices. I, you know, I, I will confess, I did ask in the Republican cloakroom, I said, hey, what do you all think of us having a motion to give them another 24 hours to keep talking? <laughs> yeah, uh, just let all, everyone else's numbers go up. So, all right, the arguments are over. I, I do want to move on to, uh, to the March for Life. Yeah. Before we do that, though, 
if you had to give the Democrats a grade, they've made their arguments, you've argued many high-profile cases, how did they do? Uh, on presentation and style, I'd say an A-. minus. They actually did. This was a talented group presenting. Okay. On substance, a D. Yeah. Um, they sounded good, and they have little snippets, but, but they also were very selective in terms of what they cited. I, yeah. I expect to see... Uh, I expect to see the president's lawyers come back hard. I expect mm. to see the president's lawyers in particular to to make a powerful case about the evidence of corruption that justified an investigation into Burisma and whether Vice President Joe Biden was part of that corruption. Mm-hmm. And the House managers have now built their whole case on the proposition there's zero evidence that proposition is going to be blown out of the water. So we, I guess we'll see tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a really big day because finally the Trump team gets to make their arguments. I have to tell you, after going through all these hours and hours of the Democrat case, I'm glad you gave me this recommendation to have a, a nice, delicious glass of milk because what? it's really fortified. me. <laughs> well, there's nothing like a cool glass of milk. There is a strange rule in the Senate that goes around impeachment trials. You are not allowed as a senator to bring in a cup of coffee or a bottle of whiskey or a soft drink. You are only allowed to drink two things in the Senate during the impeachment trial, water and milk. You you have availed yourself of this. I noticed I, you- I, I have. And you, look, the Senate is a strange place. <laughs> it, it is a place in many respects. Yeah. It is governed by tradition. But the reason you can drink milk mm-hmm. All stems back to January 24th, 1966. (laughs) So before you and I were born. Okay. Senator Everett Dirksen is on the Senate floor and and he, he, he raises a question with the presiding officer. He asks, he says, is it in violation of the Senate rules if the senator from Illinois asks one of the page boys to go to the restaurant and bring him a glass of milk? If it is in violation of the rules, I will forget it. And the presiding officer answered, there is nothing in the rules to prohibit the senator from requesting a glass of milk. (laughs) When that exchange happened, that formed a precedent. This is actually a governing precedent. So when you're a newly elected senator, you get in in your desk, in the drawer of your desk, you get something called Riddick's Precedents. And it is printed that Riddick's Precedents, stating going back to January 24th, 1966. Riddick's Precedents, just just to clarify, this is like the the rules of the... It it is, but it's just rulings from the chair that become binding precedent because Everett Dirksen wanted a glass of milk and the presiding (laughs) officer said, said yes. Now the two things you can drink are water and milk. And so the first night of the impeachment trial, we went till two in the morning. At midnight, I decided, you know what? I'm going to try this out. And so I went to the cloakroom. I said, hey, does anyone here actually have milk? And they're like, no, no one, no one ever orders it. I'm like, can we track some down? And one of the guys in the cloakroom said, I'll find you some. And it ran out. Uh-huh. So at midnight, I just sat there quietly <laughs> sipping milk. And, and, and it was, you can't have coffee. You, mm-hmm. can't, you can't have Diet Dr. Pepper. You can't right. have caffeine. But, but you, you can enjoy a glass of milk. Now, what I want to know, Senator, as a taxpayer myself... Who paid for that glass of milk that you had in the Senate? Well, I'll tell you, the cloakroom actually called our office and said, we need to charge the senator from the glass of milk. We ain't paying for it. And, and I laughed and said, look, I'm glad to hear some fiscally conservative wow. policies being implemented. And, and, and uh, now, 
I can't necessarily promise. So look, if milk is allowed, at the end of the day, all you see is it's a white liquid. So, so <laughs> I, I, I can't promise you there, the, the, that there aren't senators having white Russians that's, on, the, that's, on the Senate floor. Uh, especially the longer this drags on. And, and you know what? That would probably <laughs> drive the conspiracy theorist crazy. <laughs> Uh, particularly post-Muller. <laughs> That's true. And, by the, you know, we've been coming here in the middle of the night now all week, so there's really nothing to say that we haven't had a couple white Russians uh, on, on the very same drink. <laughs> now, speaking of your health and uh, refreshing yourself, today, when you had a little bit of a break, you decided to use that by going outside and actually marching in, in the March for Life. This was uh, 47 years after Roe versus Wade. The March for Life has gone on every single year since then. And it's, it's the largest pro-life gathering in the world. And you participated in it today. I, it's something I've done a number of years. Today, it, it was going on right during the impeachment trial. So when the march started, I couldn't participate. But, but around 3 o'clock, we had a break that, that ended up being about a half hour. And so I just went outside and, and, and joined the marchers. It, it's a wonderful chance. I spent a lot of the time there just thanking people right. and, 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 and thanking them for coming out. It's usually a cold day uh, when the march happens. And, and it's amazing to, to see people from all over the country coming together and standing up for life. Mm-hmm. I got to say, it, 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 uh, it is always wonderful to participate, but it, but it was particularly affirming in the middle of all this craziness. It, it was moving. I was there myself today. It, w- it was very moving. And it, it actually got me thinking about the relation between Roe v. Wade and this impeachment trial, because Roe v. Wade is decided in 1973. Yep. And it was when the Supreme Court discovered this previously undiscovered constitutional right to abortion, as yep. though yep. the framers of our Constitution secretly, in, in invisible ink, wrote in a, a a right to an abortion. You know a lot more about the Constitution than I do. It's a bogus argument, right? It, it, it was the court created it in Roe versus Wade, but the effect it had in our country is it yeah. took one of the most deeply personal, emotional public policy issues, and the Supreme Court said, you idiot voters don't get to decide this. Mm-hmm. We're deciding it for you. And you have no say. Look, prior to that, abortion had been a question for the states to consider. Mm-hmm. And people could debate it at state state issues. You, you, you could get up and, and make arguments as to why, look, you and I both believe that, that life should be protected. Right. But as voters, we ought to be able to, to make those decisions. And the Supreme Court said, no, nope, we're seizing this. Mm-hmm. And I think that decision has produced a lot of the, the, the bitterness, the rancor, the division. People are frustrated on both sides of that aisle that they don't have a natural outlet to debate the issues because it all becomes the battle for the courts because it's now nine elected judges that, right. that decide everything. Because this was in 2016, probably the top issue, especially. And by uh, the way, I think I said nine elected judges. Let me be very clear. Nine <laughs> unelected right, judges. Unelected because Unelected is, right. is, is, is the whole problem. No accountability whatsoever. In 2016, the big issue was the judges. Who's going to replace Justice Scalia? Who, and, and you saw it on the left and the right, and, and especially for the left, so much of that comes down to Roe v. Wade. I mean, you see it in their campaign materials. Let me make two observations from today. One, when I went out uh, to march in, in the protest, I encountered one anti-Trump protester, uh-huh. a woman who was angry. And part of what she was screaming is, why aren't you in the trial? She's like, well, we're on a break. Um, <laughs> I just had my glass of milk and I've got a lot of energy. I, it, it, but, but it was a striking contrast. One anti-Trump protesters and, and then 
tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of, of protesters, or not protesters, but marchers yep, stand, yeah. standing for life. And, and the contrast was interesting, and it, it actually made me think. So a lot of us getting ready for the impeachment trial were anticipating bitter, nasty confrontations like we had during Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. And Brett Kavanaugh, the left, had paid protesters who yelled, who stalked, who, you know, one of them went to Susan Collins's home. And right. I, mean, I mean, it was... And nobody needs to be reminded because it was such a national story, but Brett Kavanaugh was the second Trump pick for the Supreme Court. So it wasn't even the first one, it was the second one. But, but it underscores just how bitter and divisive it is. I gotta tell you, the Capitol Police were, were anticipating that we may see some of the same you know, vigorously, you know, threatening almost violence. Some right. of those confrontations right. on with Kavanaugh. I mean, you had people getting in your face and screaming and bitter and angry. Right. And it's interesting that even though Trump inspires strong emotions, <laughs> the impeachment trial has seemed to be a snoozer from that totally. perspective. Totally. I mean, frankly, that's why I think I really think that's why this podcast is doing so well is people are not going to watch 10 hours a day of impeachment they want. I think they want to come here. You've done an excellent job giving us a behind the scenes view. Look, th- th- there were times when it when it felt like like l- l- like listening to a reading of Vogon poetry, <laughs> uh, w- w- which for, for the handful of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy geeks who are listening to this, you'll get what I'm saying. And everyone else is just, just, just right write, over write, write, write it off and don't worry about it. Fly over. Yeah, <laughs> that uh, I, I think you're right. And I, I just wonder if if a decision like Roe versus Wade had not stolen this very important question from the legislature, from the citizens to decide for themselves, and taken it into the arms of nine unelected lawyers wearing robes, if, if maybe we wouldn't even see an impeachment like this, if, if the presidential elections were not so incredibly tense and important. Well, and it's much the same. You look at impeachment and the House Democrats' argument— their central argument is we can't trust the voters to make this decision. Yes. That they believe the voters got it wrong in 2016. Yeah. And a lot of the Democrats, when they're being candid, they're worried if Trump is on the ballot in 2020, mm-hmm. he'll win again. And so they're trying to undo a Democratic election. Right. And, that- and, and, and that, that is a persistent problem of, of politicians pu- wanting to force an agenda against the wishes of, of look, of democracy, their own let yeah. the people decide. <laughs> right. Well, fortunately, the Trump team is going to get the chance tomorrow to make their arguments. I very much look forward to that. We're going to be covering it again. Please, thank you to everybody who has made this podcast the number three biggest podcast in the world. It's really terrific. Uh, please, if you can, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. Before we go, lightning round on the mailbag. All right. From Tom, will the whistleblower testify in the impeachment trial? Probably not. Uh, I think it's more likely than not that next week we'll vote not to have additional witnesses. So not only will we not get the so-called whistleblower, the guy who started this whole Ukraine business, really started the whole impeachment, but then we wouldn't get Hunter Biden. We wouldn't get anybody. So if I were to order likely outcomes, next week we'll vote on whether or not additional witnesses are needed beyond those who have already testified in the House. Mm -hmm. Fifty-one senators will decide. I think it is more likely than not 51 senators will say, we've heard enough, we're ready to decide, let's move to judgment, and the president gets acquitted. Mm -hmm. That may not happen. All 47 Democrats will vote for more witnesses. Maybe four Republicans join them. If that happens, the second most likely outcome, I think, is 
51 senators say, yes, we want more witnesses. The Democrats call John Bolton. Right. The president calls Hunter Biden. And I think. And then it's a bloodbath. It, but but <laughs> but I think that the second most likely outcome is those two additional witnesses right. come in. Right. Bolton and Biden. And, and only those two. I, I would say that's the second most likely okay. outcome. The third most likely outcome is you end up having several witnesses yeah. that that that. that and I do think, and this is something I've been pitching to other Republicans, is, is the principle of reciprocity, that, mm-hmm. that, that, that we need to be fair. We need to give both sides a, a – a, a, we, we can't be like the House and have it only on one side. And, and so I think – I feel quite confident that's where the Republican conference is, that there's consensus. Right. And i got to say, by the way, yesterday in the press there were a bunch of stories that said Chuck Schumer has rejected the deal of Bolton for Biden. And, and I actually had today spent a while like laughing with reporters going, well, that's all fine and good. Of course, Chuck Schumer doesn't want Hunter <laughs> Biden to testify because the Democrats are trying to cover that up. You're right. But he doesn't have the votes. If they go down the road to John Bolton, I guarantee you the mm-hmm. other side. Right. We're going to have the votes among Republicans to ensure that both sides are treated fairly. And so that will come down to four Republicans. Uh, last question before we head out of here from Marty. With very specific punctuation, when is it our turn? Can't watch these clowns. Tomorrow morning, 10 (laughs) a.m. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. And you will be right back here in the studio to break it down for us. I will. Now, tomorrow is likely to be relatively short. I think it'll probably go from about 10 to 1. So we'll get, you know, about three hours of opening arguments from the president's team. So Mm -hmm. we'll record this tomorrow afternoon and then we'll come back on Monday at 1 p.m. And we'll get another probably extended stretch of argument from the president's team. I'm looking forward to the first chance the president's I legal team wait. has had to present his defense and, and to present, look, what I've urged them to do is present the substantive evidence of innocence. Don't just just talk about process the whole time, right. but lay out the facts, because on the facts, I, I think the president. Well, prevails. I hope they take some some me- uh, messaging from this podcast, because I think when you lay out the facts, the case is pretty clear. And tomorrow we will see the president strike back and it should be a lot of fun. Well, you know, the Burisma timeline that that that, that we tweeted out yesterday yeah. and talked about yesterday on the show, I Xerox that and put it in the box of every single Republican senator. So every one of them has that. Right. I sure hope they read it and I hope they listen to the show and I hope you all will listen to the show. We will be back here tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. This episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz is being brought to you by Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC, a political action committee dedicated to supporting conservative causes, organizations, and candidates across the country. In 2022, Jobs, Freedom, and Security PAC plans to donate to conservative candidates running for Congress and help the Republican Party across the nation. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ben Ferguson here. And if you're an accredited investor, U.S. oil and gas should be a part of your investment portfolio. And I want you to visit LabradorEnergy.com. Beyond the possibility to invest in a sector that historically delivers sound returns, when you invest with Labrador Energy, you may be able to structure your investments to offset active or passive income. According to many sources, U.S. oil and gas drilling remains one of the best tax-advantaged income investments available. Visit LabradorEnergy.com. You may be able to reduce your tax liability while investing in a sector that historically delivers sound returns. Learn more now at LabradorEnergy.com today. Offer for accredited investors only. Past performance is no indication of future results. Investing involves risk. Consult your legal, tax, and financial advisors and read the prospectus before making any investment decisions. Visit LabradorEnergy.com for the prospectus and more information. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? Well, you could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run big appliances like your fridge even longer. And best of all, the new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas ever. Over 150,000 Americans already trust Patriot Power Generators. So go to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included for free. Go right now to the number four, patriots.com slash verdict. Hollywood is under siege from an external force. The same Hollywood that sold the American dream is now making nightmares a reality. Many major films make choices to appease the Chinese Communist Party to be distributed in China. Join Tiffany Meyer, an investigative reporter in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, where she reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. For a limited time, watch the first 10 minutes for free at HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben. HollywoodTakeover.com slash Ben.